If you have a Bible with you today, we're looking at John chapter 4, starting at verse 15. Remember, we're looking at this story of the woman at the well in the first 14 or 15 verses. She's interacting with Jesus, and we're picking up on that conversation. Verse 15, the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband. Come here. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now it is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know Messiah is coming. He is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that you would come and open the eyes of the blind and the ears of the deaf. I pray that you would forgive my sins, for they are many. I pray that you would be in my head and in my thinking and in my heart and in my understanding and in my mouth and in my speaking. In Jesus' name we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to start a little differently this morning. I mean, really not that much different. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask a question this morning, and this is the kind of question that my wife might even get a little embarrassed at the fact that she's married to me and here's this question. What if, what would you think if I stood before you and told you that I invented the question mark? Some of you are thinking, oh, no, 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 no. That was Alcuin of York in the 8th century. Oh, I know it was. Or at least that's what people think it was. 1781 to be precise. I know because I was there. What would you think? What are you thinking right now? Right? You're thinking, he's, he's crazy. Or you're thinking... He's just fibbing. He's a liar. Right? And then there's probably one or two of you out there going, oh, sounds legit. I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So your, your only options when someone makes a claim like that is either to say that guy is a lunatic or that guy is lying or he's telling the truth. That, that really is your only option. Think of any kind of claim that people make. Those are your options. You have, you have to decide right in this moment, am I a, a lunatic, am I lying, or am I telling the truth? Now, when you look at the, the Gospels of Jesus, there are three of them. Remember Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They are, they are basically 
They, they're about what Jesus said and what Jesus did, or about what Jesus taught more specifically and what Jesus did. That's what they want us to know. And if you remember, as we've been looking at the Gospel of John, John is more interested in who Jesus is and what that means. And the way we learn about who Jesus is in John's Gospel almost exclusively is through Jesus' own claims about himself. And there are claims that for, for any normal person, they would be outlandish. If you think about it, Jesus made, there, there are all these I am statements in the book of John, if you remember, right? That, the, that Jesus said that I am the bread of life. That's a weird one. Admit it, right? Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. He said, I'm the light of the world. He said, I'm the gate for the sheep. Remember that one where there's more of them? He said, I'm the good shepherd. I am the resurrection. I am the way, the truth and the life. I am the vine, and you are the branches, right? I am, I am, I am, I am. Jesus, throughout the whole Gospel of John, makes these claims about himself, and you, at every point, you have to decide what, what's going on here. Is he telling the truth? Is he crazy? Or is he, is he, is he lying to us? Or is he, could, could it all be true? What if it's true? Remember, he, he says those seven I am statements, and there's two other places. Today is one of them, and then there's another place in John chapter 8 where he simply says, I am, and people want to kill him. Just for saying I am. That, now, that sounds crazy until you look at it. Let me, let's look at John chapter 8 very quickly. John is, Jesus is having an argument with the Pharisees, the religious leaders, about Abraham being their father, and he said, you're of your father, the devil. And I'll pick up at verse 53 of chapter 8, where the Pharisees ask Jesus, they say, are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I, if I were to say I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Jesus said to them, so the Jews said to him, you are not 50 years old, yet you have seen Abraham. And Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Right? So they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, it, what Jesus just did was not much different than what I did. Right? I told you, I, I, you know, before, before the question mark it was, it came around, before you knew it, I went back and invented it. Jesus is saying, before Abraham was, I am. And how did the Pharisees react? They didn't go, oh man, that guy's crazy. Let's go. It says they picked up stones to stone him. Because the issue was, that it, it isn't that they misunderstood what Jesus was saying. The problem is that they understood exactly what he was saying. That the one in the Old Testament who claims the name of I am is God himself. And Jesus was making that claim. That before Abraham was, I am. That God is right here among you. What are you going to do about that? And they had a decision. We have to decide, is he a lunatic? Is he crazy? Is he lying? Or is he the Lord? Is he telling the truth? 
That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. The, the basically, C.S. Lewis popularized this argument about Jesus, right? Is he, is he, he's either a liar, or he's either a lunatic, or he's a liar, or he's the Lord. This morning, we're going to look at this, the second part of the story of the woman at the well, and she actually walks through all three of these. She has to decide whether Jesus is crazy. She has to decide whether Jesus is a liar. And then finally, she has to decide whether or not Jesus is telling the truth, whether he is the Lord. So we'll look at three things this morning. And basically the three things are this questions, right? Is Jesus a lunatic? Is Jesus a liar? Or is Jesus the Lord? So first thing, let's look, give you a little background here. If we look at verses 15 through 18, where we started, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. If you remember from last week, that basically to give some context to this, that Jesus is passing through Samaria. Jesus is a Jewish man. She is a Samaritan woman. Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. And not only is she a Samaritan, not only is she a woman, but she is an outcast, or at least she is vilified in her community. And we know that because she comes to draw water at this well at noon. And no one in their right mind would have drawn water from a well at noon in the desert. And so why was she coming at noon? Because at the cool parts of the day, the morning and the evening is when all the other women would come. And clearly she didn't want to be around them or they didn't want her to be around them. But nonetheless, she gets there and she meets Jesus and he says, give me a drink. And remember, she instead of giving a drink, she gives him lips. She says... She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is too deep. Where do you get that living water? And he tells her, verse 13, I'm skipping. He says, everyone who drinks of this water in the well will be thirsty again. But the, whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I will give him will become in him a spring, of, a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or not have to come here to draw water. Right. And she asked him some questions earlier. Remember, she said, Are you greater than our father Jacob? Right. Can you really? What is this kind of water you're giving? She's sort of probing whether or not he's crazy. Right. It's like, why are you doing this? And it's interesting because in verse 15, the woman said, Sir, give me some water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. So it's interesting because she basically says, Give me, okay, give, give me some of this water, right? Air quotes, so, that, so I won't ever have to come here again and I won't have to do this anymore. And he tells her to call her husband. He tells her the truth, right? You see, if Jesus is crazy, he's like sort of the fool in King Lear. Right, if you've ever read Shakespeare, remember the fool in, in, in King Lear or any kind of Renaissance drama is basically the fool is the one who tells jokes, but he also tells the truth that no one else can tell. And he gets away with telling the truth, right? And King Lear, he's the one. King Lear is basically a play about a king with three daughters who are driving him crazy, right? So I sympathize with King Lear oftentimes. And the fool is the only one who is able, willing and able to tell him the truth. And Jesus here is apparently is telling this woman the truth. She might be saying, oh, yeah, give me some of this water so I don't have to come back here and sort of making light of it. And Jesus says, okay, go call your husband. Crickets, right? Imagine the woman 
what are you going to do if you're, if you're this woman? I mean, she tells him the truth, sort of. Verse 16, he says, go call your husband and come here. The woman says, I have no husband. Now, what she says is partially true. She's not married, so she doesn't, doesn't have a husband. That, that she's basically trying to, the problem that she has here is trying to tell a partial truth to someone who can see everything. Right? And, and you and I do that all the time. It's like, this reminds me of um, Fasnacht in uh, Switzerland, in Basel, Switzerland, around the time of Lent. Right? It, Catholics have Fat Tuesday where everyone get, puts a mask on and gets drunk before Lent starts because you're going to give up everything. Well, Protestants are like, well, here's how we'd do it. We'll wait till Lent starts, and then we'll get drunk. And so Fasnacht is this big party in Switzerland where the Protestants put on masks, and everyone does everything that they would never do if people could see their faces. And what the Salvation Army does every year is they put up big billboards that says, Gott, Gott sieht deine Maske. That's German, and it basically says, God sees behind the mask. You see, the problem with hiding something from someone who sees everything is that you can't win. And this woman's about to find that out. She's about to realize this. What is the truth about her? Jesus tells her, she said, Jesus says, you are right in saying I have no husband. <laughs> for, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Now, first of all, notice, it, it, at some level, notice how gracious Jesus is here. He, he's... he's He's affirming what she has said that is true. And at the same time, he's adding the rest of the truth. You're right in saying that you have no husband because you're just living with this guy now. You've had five husbands. Now, the fact that she has had five husbands is incredible. Most rabbis wouldn't bless more than three marriages, right? Because either these five husbands, they either all died, which would make her a black widow, Right? If you don't know what that is, it's a woman whose husbands die mysteriously one after the other and she gets their money. Or they all divorced her, which means she had some major flaw. And when I say major flaw, like some major personality flaw, some major thing about her that no guy could ultimately live with. Or it was a combination of the two. That maybe some of her husbands died, maybe some of her husbands just divorced her. But what it says is that she was probably pretty emotionally broken and she was probably gorgeous. Because you think back in those days, it was, it was preferable if a man was going to get married that he would marry a young virgin woman. And here's a woman who has been able to rope in a husband five different times. She must have had something going for her. And right now she's living with the guy. And it, whether you're Jewish or whether you're a Samaritan or whether you're Greek or whether you're a Roman in the ancient Near East, that was not cool, right? My grandmother would say she's shacking up. That's not cool, right? It's just not, or, or maybe I should say it's not kosher. But either way, Jesus has seen through her and he is telling her that all, about all this. And so the problem with Jesus is even if you don't believe the claims about him that he makes about himself, is you still got to deal with the claims he makes about you. You understand that? Right, so Jesus is telling this woman Right? Whether or not she believes the claims he is making about himself, that I will give you living water, she might, she might dismiss that, but he's also pointed, he's made claims about her. That you've been divorced five times, you're now currently living in adultery, you know, you're doing all these. What are you going to do about the claims that Jesus makes about you? It's the same with us. 
right? That you can walk in and say, well, you know, I don't believe any of this stuff about what that Christianity says about Jesus. You know, I believe he was a teacher and I believe he was a good guy, which, you know, C.S. Lewis would say he's not really good if he's not telling the truth about being God because that would make him a liar. But either way, what are you going to do with the claims he makes about you? Because they're utterly true. Would anyone argue that they are they're perfect? Would any of us say that we have no issues in our life? Would any of us say we have no struggles, we have no sins, we have no, no flaws? No one would say that. What do you do about those claims? Do you believe there's a God? Do you just work it off? Or do you believe maybe the claims about Jesus make some sense if the claims about you make some sense? And basically what the woman does here is she tries to, she tries to, she basically it's interesting that when Jesus says you've had five husbands, think about how deep he has gone with this woman. You have five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. And she asks a question about worship. Right? This is a time for her to maybe get to, to talk about like what's really going on in her life, and she changes the subject immediately. She doesn't even say, wow, that's amazing that you know that. How could you find that out? You just are passing through. You're Jewish. No one would talk to you. She, does, she changes the subject, which leads to the question of whether or not Jesus is a liar. So notice in verses um, 21, verse 19, she says, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So right off the bat, she's actually saying, you're a prophet. If she says you're a prophet, then she's saying that he can't be a liar. So she's going to dig herself in a hole here. So she says, I, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our father is worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the, is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will seek the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So on one hand, she's asking a valid question, right? Because you remember the Samaritans were basically, this, they, they were part... For, for the sake of argument, they were part Jewish and part pagan. They, were, they had the synchronized religion. They only believed the Old Testament. And they believed that from the Old Testament that where God was to be worshipped ultimately was Mount Gerizim. And the Jews who believed the rest of the Old Testament and, and about David and all this other stuff believed that God ought to be worshipped in Jerusalem where that temple was. And so she asks a question that people used to debate about. But it, it's up there with um, a Baptist and a Presbyterian having a discussion Right? And people, I've had this before when people find out I'm a preacher. It's like, you know, Baptists say you should only baptize adults and by immersion. But you say you should baptize children and sprinkle them. Who's right? And of course we are. But <laughs> I would never say that. <laughs> I'm joking. I do think I'm right, but I am joking. Um, you know, at that point, you, basically, you, the, point, the question is, is the person really want to know that answer if, if, when you're trying to talk to them about Jesus, or are they trying to just avoid the answer? They're, she's using religion to actually avoid dealing with Jesus. A lot of us avoid, use religion to avoid dealing with Jesus. Remember Flannery O'Connor's novel, Wise Blood? 
there's a preacher in there, Hazel Motes, and it talks about when he was a boy and he was afraid of Jesus and, and this preacher was preaching fire and brimstone. And it says in there he had a deep black conviction early on that the easiest way to avoid uh, Jesus was to avoid sin. In, in other words, if I don't sin and I just be a good person, then I won't even need Jesus. And if I can just be religious enough, and she's basically saying, hey, where, where should we worship? Should it be here or there? And Jesus answers her, interestingly enough, but he says basically she's asking the wrong question. In other words, she's asking where they should worship, and Jesus talks about who and how they should worship. Notice he says, um, the hour is coming and now is, when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father you worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. And basically, um, Samaritans were expecting, Samaritans didn't expect a Messiah king to come. They expected a prophet like Moses. They called him the Taheb. And the Taheb would come and he would restore things. He would restore people to following the law. They weren't expecting Messiah king like that. Israel, on the other hand, was expecting Messiah king israel imagine (laughs) this made me laugh yesterday was imagine israel it's like people walking around with make israel great again hats right that's what israel was like in that day they expected messiah would come and he would change everything he would make things politically right that he would cast out the bad political party the romans and he would make israel great again and things would be awesome no problems anymore and jesus is saying it's not that It's not about Messiah making Israel great again, and it's not about Messiah just restoring things, but it's about the Father seeking worshipers. In other words, there's coming a time when it's neither there nor here where you will worship, but you will worship in spirit and in truth. The hour is coming, he says, and now is, that both both Samaritans and the Jews were caught up in the externals of their religion and they missed the whole point. And the whole point is not just the worship of the Father, but that the Father is seeking worshipers. Like that's just such an easy sentence to pass on. You know, we read this and we just go, then it just has this rhythm to it. But I want you to contemplate for a second that Jesus is talking to this outcast Samaritan woman and he says to her, the Father is seeking worshipers who are willing to worship in spirit and in truth. You know, I'm reading a book now, I'm about halfway through, by a woman named Anne Voskamp, and it's called Waymaker. And in the first chapter, I was telling our staff this week, I, I didn't even get through the dedication without crying. And in the first chapter, she basically makes the case that the most important question in the whole Bible is asked, it's, it's asked in Genesis 3, and then it's sort of repeated throughout. And the question is, when, Adam, when God comes to the garden and he is looking for Adam and Eve, and he says, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? And she makes the case also that the only reasonable answer is, I am here, or here I am. In other words, you will be found Right? We name this series, You Will Be Found, because all of us, ask yourself this question. I, I, I was listening to that book, and I turned it off, and for about 30 minutes, I started asking myself, where are you? Tommy, where are you? 
Where are you in your life? Where are you with your family? Where are you with your church? Where are you? With, where are you? Where are you? Where, where are you? Because God is going to find me. The only answer to any of those things was, I'm here. God, I am here in the middle of my mess. I'm here in the middle of my church. I'm here in the middle of my family. I'm here in the middle of my struggles. I'm here in the middle of COVID. I'm here in the middle of everything. But I am here. God, you are, if you are really seeking, I am here. And the, the question is how you will answer that question. How do you answer that question? When God says, where are you? Do you say, I am here, or do you hide? Where are you? Do you say, I am here, or do you, do, you, do you try to just keep yourself busy with stuff so you don't have to think about how bad your life is, or how tough things are, or how much struggle you have, or how many, how many fears you have? The best possible answer to the question, I, where are you, is I am here. Because the Father is seeking worshipers. It's not that we're just like grappling. Every religion is about grappling and seeking and trying to, to crawl your way up the mountain to find God. Think about this. Do you know any other religion, any other faith where, where, where the Messiah says God is actually seeking you? He's looking for you. He's pursuing you. That is the kind of God that we have. And don't miss what Jesus said. He said, the hour is coming and now is. And I've told you before that every time Jesus mentions the hour in, his, in this Gospel of John, he is referring to his crucifixion. That the hour is coming and now is. Like that process is like in process right now. That everything that God is doing to seek you and to restore you to himself is in process right this moment. The Father is seeking those who would worship in spirit and in truth. And he says, you worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. She is going to get a mind blown when she finds out how true that is right in front of her face. That basically the woman at the beginning, she tried to change the subject and talk about worship. And she made the mistake of admitting that Jesus was a prophet. And so he can't be a liar. So he's not crazy. She knows that because how does he know all this stuff about her? And, and he's not a liar. She says he's a prophet. So what could he be the Lord? That's the only option left. And it's interesting what she does when you ask if Jesus is the Lord. Look at verse 25 and 26. It says, the woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Now it's interesting um, that I think she realizes she, she can't just uh, change the subject here. She can't just like ask another religious question because she, he's just going to give her an answer that she either doesn't understand or she doesn't hear. And so what she does instead of trying to change the subject is she just sort of tries to kick the can down the road. Right? Yeah, I know when Messiah comes, he'll, tell, he'll, fit, he'll straighten all this out. I mean, it reminded me of like when I'm on the phone with my children and I'm tired of talking. Anyhow... Well, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I know when Messiah comes, it's out, blah, yada, yada, it's up, we're, he'll figure, he'll straighten it all out. And what, did, what she probably did not expect in her wildest dreams for Jesus, I imagine him leaning in and saying, I who speak to you am he. That you can't put off Messiah because Messiah is standing right in front of you. And in, in the Greek, it actually doesn't say, I who speak to you am he. It says, I who speak to you 
am. I am. I am. I am Messiah. What is she going to do now? I mean, think about how Jesus has worked her from giving, getting a drink of water to now suddenly she is face to face with Messiah and she is going to have to make some kind of decision. Well, anyhow, you're going to have to be here next week to find that out. Or you can read your Bible. The question I think I, we should end with today is what are you going to do about that? What are you and I going to do about this claim that Jesus makes? God sees behind the mask. He makes claims about you. He makes claims about his, Jesus makes claims about himself. That you are broken and I have come that I might be broken in your stead. You are under a curse. I have come that I might be cursed in your stead. Will you embrace that? Will you embrace me? Will you follow me? Right, we have the same decision. It's the greatest years ago, it was probably 20-something years ago, I was a church planner, and I had to raise money from lots of churches, and I went to Orlando to this church that I had raised a lot of money from, St. Paul's, and I just went to worship. I didn't tell anyone I was coming. A lot of times you would go, and you would give a testimony in the church or something. I just came, I just sat and worshiped. I was just in town. I liked the church, and at the end of the service, some sweet little old lady came up to me, and she said, sir? I said, yes, ma'am, and she said, you look just like a man I was praying for this morning. I said, well, who is he? She said, he's a church planner in Seattle. <laughs> and he's doing a great job. And I leaned over and I said, I who speak to you <laughs> am he. And in that moment, I didn't know if she was going to slap me or hug me and she threw her arms around me she finally got to meet the one she'd been praying for how much more how much more ought we to embrace Jesus the one who says I who speak to you am he I am the one you have sins you have problems you have struggles I am here for you I am he think about that let me pray for us father I do pray all of us want to be found, all of us want to be known, and Jesus says that you are seeking worshipers, you, you are seeking those who would worship you in spirit and in truth and through Christ. I pray that even this morning, someone here would be found. I pray even this morning, many here would stop hiding, many here would answer the question, I'm here, God, I, I have nothing to offer you, here I am. In Christ's name we pray these things, amen, amen.